I forgot to say this, if you're online joining us, we want to make sure you're able to join us and participate in the best way possible. And that's really what we call our online platform. It's a tool we've created, even though we broadcast on Vimeo and YouTube and Facebook. This one we put a lot of time in because it's the only one where you're going to find a live chat line, our Bible and prayer app. You're going to find links and resources there, um, our notes section. It's really the one that provides the most kind of community that you can have online. That said, however you join us, whether you do that there or some other way, we just want you to know, those of you who are online, that you're you're of value to us, and we hope you are able to connect and know that you're um, important. And those of you here, again, it it is such a joy to see your faces. There's something really powerful about being able to worship together, hear each other's voices, seeing hands risen and clapping, and um, so thank you for being here. Today we're kicking off week two of a new sermon series called A Living Hope, looking at this letter by uh, Peter called First Peter. He's written two of them. Um, and uh, if you weren't here last week, I want to give a review just to help us understand what's going on with this series. It's a six-week series. It's not verse by verse. There's no way we could cover all the content in this awesome letter in six weeks. So think of it kind of like um, a taste Think of it, as I shared last week, like you got encouraged to go to this new restaurant. You've heard great things. You go, you finally get your date night, and you get there, and you order an appetizer and a drink, and you're like, oh, this is good, and you decide to get salad, and you try something else, and then you get pasta, because again, it has to be Italian, and then you get some bread, and you order some meat, and you get some dessert, and all these kinds of things. And, and when you're done, you've, you've experienced the goodness of the restaurant and the goodness of the menu, but you definitely haven't experienced all that it has to offer, right? It's been good, and it leaves you wanting more. I want to come back. I want to try some more things out here. And that's our hope with this series. It's not going to cover everything. We hope it will encourage you to want to come back for more. And I want you to hone in on that theme there, hunger. Um, it's been something I've been sensing for some time. Um, that, that I feel has changed as a midst of COVID is what does it look like to hunger for God? What does it look like for us to want more in a season which feels like we can't be together, in a season when it feels like we're isolated and disconnected, um, not just from people, but it feels like it has an impact on our relationship with God. And so hopefully this is going to well up some hunger in all of us. Last week, we looked at the person, Peter, the person who wrote this book, and um, if you missed it, I highly recommend you going back and checking it out, because I think it's going to be really helpful for framing this letter, but basically, the idea is that to understand Peter's story, we actually start to have a better understanding of our own story, how God uses us, and how God sees us, and, and how God loves us, and walks with us, no matter what's going on. And ultimately, what we learned is that Peter's story shows us what a living hope looks like, lived out in action, and it invites us, as we get to know it, to share it with others, which, if there's anything our culture needs right now, it's hope. And so, what does it look like to have a living hope in our day-to-day? That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, But before we do, I want to start by kind of just diving into the book, because the first few verses give us a lot of context to remember. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's towards the very back of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you're online, you can use the online um, app for that, or you can follow along here. We're going to start with the first three verses. This is 1 Peter 1, 1 through 3. It says this. 
Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now, real quick, before we dive in, I want to say something too. I want you to be, as we dive in, not just holding on to this idea of hunger, but I also want you to try to feel any of the trials, the things that are going on right now, whether it's directly yours or kind of more globally, thinking about what it means to hold on to those things right now and this idea of hunger for God as we listen to this letter. So with that, we have those first three verses, and what we see is that there's already a ton of stuff. I highlighted things, and we don't have the time to go into all the details, but in short, it tells us that Peter's the author, that it's written to these believers scattered throughout these various areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, uh, Bithynia, and if you look on the map, it's the, the ones in kind of red up there. It's modern-day Turkey which if you've been here for our Galatians series, you're like, oh yeah, I remember this because Galatia's right there in the middle of it. It's the same area. Now, these believers were most likely new Gentile believers, but surely, kind of like Galatians, included Jewish Christians as well. And what's also worth knowing is that unlike other New Testament letters that were written like Philippians, they were written to a specific church, This one is different. Peter wrote directly to the believers who were scattered far from him and far from each other. So they were most likely converts from this first missionary expansion of the church. And so this letter isn't taken and sent to one place, this one church. Rather, it's circulated to many areas where there were these clusters of believers. Some commentators think the list isn't like a priority, but it's kind of like it started in this area, then it got scattered over to here, and then it got scattered over to here, and it got shared to all these different small clusters of believers throughout this area. This letter was most likely written somewhere around AD 64, the year Emperor Nero supposedly secretly burned down much of Rome and then blamed it on Christians, which began this wave of persecution that spread across the Roman Empire. And it's important to know because it leads to one of the main reasons for writing this letter. And we see that in verse 6, which says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You see, as Christianity spread across this area, it encountered widespread opposition because the way of life lived out for followers of Jesus created a direct challenge to the immorality, the adultery, the paganism, and the emperor worship that was going on in the culture at the day. So it was this impact of living out this faith that challenged the way everyone was living. Which reminded me of this saying. It says this, what you don't understand you fear, what you fear you oppose, and what you oppose you attack. And we see this being played out in our culture right now, right? And this is exactly what was going on for Christians. They they were finding themselves in the same situation. They were misunderstood, they were feared, they were opposed, and ultimately attacked. And this was at extremes. In Rome, for example, Christians were being tortured, 
literally covered with animal skins and attacked by dogs, thrown in prison and literally made into human torches. Can you imagine a culture where that kind of thing is happening? And so in light of this, Peter is writing to these early Christians, these new believers, saying things are going to get worse before they get better, right? Which is why the theme of suffering and trials comes up in this short letter around 19 times, depending on how you translate things. But what's fascinating is that Peter's tone is more positive than negative. He writes to encourage these scattered believers in Asia Minor to stand firm in the grace and peace of God in the midst of these great trials and suffering. And what he says to these people is that he is saying, and it's what he's saying to us, and that is, as far as the world is concerned, followers of Christ are what he calls exiles or strangers in a strange land. Now, we can picture this because our culture right now has got an issue going on with people wanting to come into our country who are not like us, right? And so I want you to think about this. How often do you have this perspective? Do you see yourself as a stranger in a strange land? Do you see the world as your home, or do you see heaven as your home? Does your life look just like that of our culture, Or does it look strange in comparison to the ways of the world? Peter starts by reminding us that Christ followers, as Christ followers, we're no longer of this world, even though we live in it. It's about perspective and how we see things and how we live out our faith in action. So as far as the world is concerned, we're foreigners We should have a different language, a different culture, different choices, different beliefs, and ways of living in the world. And as a result, trials and sufferings because of our faith should be a guarantee. Does that feel like the reality right now? Peter says, but as far as God's concerned, Peter says, we are the chosen elect thanks to the work of the triune God expressed in verse 2. Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, Those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ in the sprinkling with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So we see the Trinity involved in transforming us and making us the chosen and elect in a world that sees us as foreigners. Now, this leads us to our more focused text today, having to do with this idea of a living hope. And it comes in 1 Peter verses 3 through 5. Um, It says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ! Exclamation point, right? He's praising Jesus. It's in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. This section shows us one of the huge blessings followers of Christ have and that is that of a a living hope. 
And so for the rest of the time, I want to discuss what this idea of a living hope is. And as we do, I want you to be reminded again of who is writing this. This is not someone who made all the right choices. This is not someone who did all the right things, who followed God's every call. This is Peter, the one who rebuked Jesus, the one who had doubts and sank after taking a few steps in the water. It's the one who Jesus referred to as Satan at one point. Never good, right? Who under pressure gave into peer pressure rather than sticking with the new Gentile believers, even though he knew that was the right thing to do. Later under pressure, fully denied knowing Jesus three times. Normally anyone who had failed so significantly in our world would be fired, removed, disavowed. But Peter, of all people, knows God's grace and peace through Christ. This is the story of God, one who can use the least likely to do amazing things. And here we have Peter, whose faith has been refined time and time again through trials, suffering, and living out his faith. Peter knows God's grace and peace full well, which is why he can rejoice and have a living hope in the midst of a culture where people, followers of Christ, are made into human torches. So although we might think he's the worst person to teach this based off his story and failures, instead what we see is he's the best person to do this because he's truly lived it and experienced it firsthand. And so with that, what does he say? How do we have this living hope? The first thing Peter says to having a living hope is that we understand that God is merciful. In other words, our hope doesn't lie in our own achievements, perfection, or righteousness. Thank God. Peter says the basis of our hope lies in the incredible abundance of God's mercy. And again, if we think about it, who better to know this than Peter? And so with that, let me ask you a question. How often do you recognize and celebrate God's mercy towards you? Do you ever think of yourself as needing to be shown mercy? In general, in our day-to-day, we tend to think we're okay, right? But the scriptures describe God's mercy as being new every morning. That God has this incredible faithfulness in showing us mercy to all of God's people at all times, at every moment. But imagine if you rarely even recognize or own your need for mercy. This happens when we're not relying on the Holy Spirit throughout our day. Peter's saying, as we live out our faith and as we follow the Spirit's leading, we are sure to mess things up. And he knows this, right? He knows this full well. Peter knew God's mercy on the daily because he needed it on the daily. And when you experience God showing you mercy on the daily, this gives you incredible hope. So again, how often do you recognize and own your need for God and for God's mercy? He goes on. He says, another thing we need to have in order to experience this living hope is to remember that Jesus is alive. 
The reason we have hope is because Jesus is alive. And Brian always does these great sets that tie into all of this. So you're going to hear the themes of what we just sang and, and what we're learning. But in other words, the resurrection of Jesus is crucial to our living hope experience. Why? Well, if the resurrection never happened, for one, Peter wouldn't have written this letter. He'd be back to being a fisherman. He would have wallowed in his shame for denying Jesus. He wouldn't have experienced the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in the beginning of the church. He wouldn't have unlocked the doors for the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles to be saved. We wouldn't be here. Our guilt, our sin, our shame, and not just ours, but that for the world, past, present, future, would not be dealt with. Life would end at death, and we would not have any hope. Just to name a few, there's a number of reasons right there as to why Jesus being alive is so important. But through Jesus' resurrection, according to Peter, we have been given a new birth. We're born again into a living hope. Or maybe another way of saying this is that we have a renewed hope produced by the resurrection of Jesus. And again, thinking of Peter's story and the other disciples after Jesus' death, prior to the resurrection, the disciples were hopeless. They were done. They had given up. And in Peter's case, he had gone back to his old way of life, his old identity, his old work. He was a fisherman again. It's after the resurrection of Jesus, Peter and the disciples were born again in regards to their hope. It's this idea of experiencing a reestablishment of the faith by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so, so if you have been experiencing anything of a lag in your faith. Maybe your faith has felt a little depressed or you've just had a loss of faith or you've been feeling crushed in your spirit for any reason, but especially tied to any trial and suffering. Peter is saying that connecting with the mercy of God and remembering that Jesus is alive keeps us reestablishing our faith and brings about a hope that's alive. Amen? Amen. Now, Peter goes on in verse 4 and says this with regards to why our hope can be described as living and says this, we have, an uh, we have been saved into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Here Peter says the third reason we have a living hope is because of the nature of our inheritance. My father passed away during COVID and I experienced my first time of understanding what an inheritance looks like. An inheritance takes great deal of effort and purpose. You think about something that you don't ever want to think about. Um, and so you put great care in it. My father did not have very much. Um, so whenever I think about the inheritance, it's a little overwhelming because I know what put into that. And so here, the degree of our hope we have is directly related to the inheritance we have. And so again, let me ask you this. When was the last time you paused to consider the inheritance you have as a result of Jesus and how through him you are now a child of God? To think that this inheritance is something that the God of the universe put great deal of thought and effort to put aside to prepare for each and every one of us. 
When was the last time you even thought about that? That you're a child of God and that you have this inheritance. And Peter goes on to describe this incredible inheritance in four ways. The first one, he says, is our inheritance is incorruptible. The word here in the Greek means not predisposed to corruption or decay, that it's imperishable. So Peter says, unlike the present heaven and earth in which we now live, in which will one day be gone, our inheritance in heaven is incorruptible. He goes on. Our inheritance is undefiled. The Greek word here means untainted, not tainted or unsoiled. And Peter says our inheritance is unlike the earthy, unearthly, I'm sorry. Peter says our inheritance is unlike the earthy, earthly Canaan, which could be and was defiled by its inhabitants. Here, this inha- inheritance cannot be contaminated whatsoever. Then it says that our inheritance does not fade away. The Greek word there means continuing or enduring. And it's this word that's a variation which comes from this mythical flower which uh, would bloom perpetually and never lose its loveliness. It never faded. This is a picture of our heavenly reward. It will not rust or fade or wither like so many things do here on earth. And then finally, he says, our inheritance is reserved in heaven. The word reserved here means to watch, to observe, to guard, to protect, or to set aside, meaning that our inheritance is safely guarded in heaven itself. No one, not even Satan, can steal it from us. And so Peter says, when we remember how great of an inheritance we have awaiting us in the future, no matter what happens to us, this will give us a living hope to continue in our journey of faith, no matter what comes our way. And what's crazy is if that's not enough, Peter's not done. First Peter 4, I'm sorry, First Peter 1, first 4 through 5 says this, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He gives us one more reason for having a living hope, and that is because we are safely guarded. We are shielded by God. Peter says that as followers of Christ, we are kept. That word kept um, for salvation in the last time, that it means this idea of, a, it's a military term that means to guard, to protect by a military guard, either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep inhabitants to, of a besieged city from flight. And so it's this, this word that's used. So while our inheritance is being kept guarded in heaven, under the watchful eye of God, we're also being shielded by God's protective care. In the midst of these difficult stories, these situations, COVID-19, you name it, we are being shielded. And so putting it all together, this incredible mercy of God, the power of the resurrection of Jesus, the nature of our godly inheritance as a result, that we are kept and that we are safely guarded by God. Peter says when we allow all these to be a part of our daily relationship with God, it allows us to experience the realities of a living hope in the day-to-day life, no matter what suffering and trials come our way. But what I want us to see, and I want us to understand, is that all of this is tied to our need 
for God. At every moment in situation, and it's tied to the way our life changes as a result of our relationship with God. You take away the relationship with God, there's no way you're going to experience this living hope. It's only in our relationship with Jesus, in our need for Jesus, that we're able to have this living hope. So it goes back to this hunger thing. Are we hungering for God in the midst of these difficult things? This is what Peter wants us to know and experience. He wants us to experience this living hope. And so as we end, I want to invite us to a time of reflection. And I'm going to kind of give us some space to think about these various things. And I want you, again, to try to to come back to some of the trials and struggles and, and the challenges you might be facing right now. And if you're generally feeling like, oh, my life's doing okay, that's awesome, you should celebrate that. Um, maybe think about some of the things that are happening in our world right now. How they're not necessarily, if you're not feeling directly related to them, maybe that they're just affecting and having an impact on our culture. Maybe think about how um, faith in Jesus is viewed in our world right now. Or maybe when you start thinking about politics or race or economic struggles or, or covid What I want you to do is to take a moment to consider the things going on in and around you that are challenging, that they might be trials or doubts or questions. They're weighing on you. And we all have them. So think about those. Maybe close your eyes if you'd like. Maybe take a few deep breaths for a minute to consider these and allow yourself to embodily feel the weight of these. For some, maybe if it's helpful, maybe you want to write them down, if that would help you. But I'm just going to give you a moment of silence to reflect on this. So take some deep breaths quietly. Think about these things. Let them weigh down and feel those things. Now, as you think of these things, maybe with your eyes closed and you're feeling the weight of these trials, these struggles, these doubts, these questions, as you think of them, where, where might you need to own your need for God in the midst of these? Where might you need to own your need for God? And maybe you need to say a simple prayer. Lord, I need you. In the midst of these issues, where might you need to seek God's mercy? Maybe a simple prayer you might consider is, Lord, forgive me. As you think of these things, where do you need to claim and hold fast to the power of the resurrection 
of Jesus. Maybe here you literally need to start praying in the power and name of Jesus for these things. Maybe here you need to take a literal, resurrecting, deep breath in and celebrate the resurrecting king that is giving you a resurrection life right now. As you continue to think about these, where do you need to be reminded of the incredible inheritance that you have? And so maybe in the midst, you need to take some time to thank God for all that you have, all the ways God has supplied all that you need, and think about how much more is to come in your heavenly future. And finally, where do you find yourself needing God's protection in the midst of these trials? Maybe a simple prayer would be, God, be my protector. Keep me safe. Guard my heart. Help me learn what it is you're teaching me in the midst of all these things going on. Amen. You see, the reason Peter can write this letter with this information is because he lived it. He experienced it. He was on a journey with his faith. And as he lived into it, it brought all kinds of craziness. Some incredible moments of glorious, Holy Spirit-empowered miracles. And other moments of just straight-up selfish-driven, emotionally-driven mistakes. Moments of freedom and grace and other moments of literal lockdown and imprisonment. But in all of this, he continued on his journey. And as he did, his faith continued to grow. It was refined. It was matured. And he knows it's hard. And it's going to get harder. And he's writing us to encourage us with the key to getting through it all. And that is having a living hope that only comes from a relationship with Jesus. Are we hungering for that? May we all know the living hope of Jesus today and every day. In the amazing ups, the deep downs, and everywhere in between in life, may we grow in our hope. May we share this living hope with others as we live it out. And as Peter prayed in the first few sentences of this letter, may we also experience the abundance of God's grace and peace as we own our need for God. Amen. Now I'm going to invite our worship team to come up, and they're going to play instrumentally for a few moments just to give us a little more space to reflect and think about um, what we've been learning um, And I do have a couple questions just of application to consider. If you'd be willing to share your thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You can, those of you who are here in the room, you could use the connection card that was on your seat as you arrived. Those of you who are online, there should be a link in the online platform. um, And we'd love to hear from you, whether you respond to one or all of these. Um, Three questions. The first one, in what areas of your life are you currently experiencing the living hope of God? And why do you think that is? Certain areas in your life you may feel a hope, 
why. Number two, in what areas of your life are you struggling to experience the living hope of God and why? And even if that feels like all around, I'm struggling to feel it, that's okay. You can imagine these people and the persecution and the, the trials that were going on in their culture at that time. What the, it probably felt hopeless. So again, how are you feeling? And then number three, what did you learn today that you want to apply from Peter's letter so far? I'd love to hear how these things stuck out to you and what, what, what hit you in what ways. Feel free to use this space, though, as they play to re- reflect, to confess, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled, to dream, whatever you feel called to do in this space as they play instrumentally. I'm going to Um, close us in prayer for a moment but I want to remind you too that our prayer team is back live so if those of you are in the room you can come over here they'll be ready for you those of you who are online you can just use the link of the left side of the chat line that says request prayer just remember on both ends um, if someone doesn't respond right away it's because they're engaging with someone that came before you Um, they are here to pray for you so just please be patient in that Um, but know they're here to pray for you I'm going to close us with a time of prayer. Then Brian's going to lead us in a space to reflect, and then we'll join together for one last song of response. So let's, let's do that. Father, Son, Spirit, we, as we have paused and taken moments to feel the feels of the, the weightiness of things in life, whether it's specific to our own story, whether it's health stuff or finances, relational issues, work, you name it, parenting. Maybe it's things going on in our culture in the bigger sphere of things with politics and race and and COVID and you name it. We feel a lot of things and, and we get tired and we get exhausted. These trials, the suffering, the challenges of life, they're hard. And, and, and then along with that, being isolated and disconnected. God, we we need hope. And we thank you, Jesus, that we can experience a living hope in you. As we experience your mercy, as we experience your resurrection power, as we are reminded of the inheritance we have as your children, as we are reminded that you are with us as close as our very breath, protecting us, empowering us. And God, we just own our need for you. We cannot do this alone. It's so good to to join together to worship, to be reminded of your goodness and your grace, um, to celebrate who you are. Help us to hold on to this as we go throughout our day, as we walk out of this space, as we exit our homes or turn off our computers, Uh, Help us to continue to experience the living hope that can only be experienced through our relationship with you. We pray that you would work miracles in all these things that we're feeling, God, that you would enter in. In Jesus' name, do your will and help us to participate in however you call us to. And thank you, God, that we know, just like Peter, we're gonna mess up And that doesn't stop you from participating with us. You have hope in us. So God, be with us. We pray as we sing, as we go. May we know your grace and peace 
and your hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.